0: It's time to use Soldo. Soldo is a payment solution that replaces petty cash given to employees and production assistants when in prep, on set, or in post-production. Soldo is a multi-user expense account that helps you control business spending. You can give soldo cards to some or every employee, to entire teams or even contractors instantly. Transfer funds to all card holders for free. Soldo.com. Listen for more info. In today's episode, of the Filmmaker's Podcast. The Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 260 of the Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between, how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very very humble opinion. Today on the show we have the very fantastic Lauren Hadaway. Now she has just written and directed her debut film The Novice which is about a college freshman who joins a university rowing team and undertakes an obsessive physical and psychological journey to make it to the top. Uh, no matter the cost. Uh, It is similar to Whiplash or Black Swan. It is fantastically performed by Isabel Furman and Amy Forsyth uh, and Delone as well. It is, the cast are amazing. And Lauren has smashed her feature film debut out of the water, literally, because it's a rowing boat on the water. See what I did there. Um but to get to making her debut feature what was Lauren doing? She was a dialogue ADR or a supervising ADR editor and she worked with the likes Quentin Tarantino and Damien Chazelle just to name a few some of the films she has worked on are Jack the Giant Slayer Pacific Rim Riddick Whiplash obviously Transformers Unbroken for Angelina Jolie Selma these are Oscar winning movies Southpaw The Hateful Eight Warcraft The Conjuring 2 Underworld Blood Wars and Zack Snyder's Justice League as well as Army of the Dead which is out now as well she is a superstar she is brilliant she is so insightful And she gave you and me so much uh, knowledge and information about what she learned making her debut film. She also talks about her work as a dialogue editor and a supervising ADR editor as well. It's fascinating. She also talks about her writing process, why she wanted to write, and how writing is rewriting. She also talks about why she wanted to be a director because she's got a very successful career. Why direct? It's bloody hard. But she's absolutely proved why she should do this. She talks about why you can get embarrassed to say you're a writer or director and how we need to get over it. She also chats about her time with Tarantino and what she learned in the sound edit. And we talk about marketing and how you have to differentiate yourself from others, which I think is absolutely vital. Don't just be like everyone else. Don't just put the same stuff out. What makes you stand out? What makes you different? What makes you you she talks about why film is vital for everyone how she got it funded and why a lookbook or vision deck worked for her we also talk about the heartbreak of filmmaking as well but hey i didn't want to go into that there because i wanted to keep this upbeat this is brilliant you're gonna love this i love chatting to lauren she's a superstar in the making she's funny she's brilliant and i can see why her film has done so well the novice is out on vod pretty much everywhere on apple amazon google play uh, youtube voodoo DirecTV, spectrum all the usual places you can find this movie i'm trying to work out where it is in the uk at the moment and Soon as I do I'll let you know but for now seek this movie out I loved it it's fucking brilliant it really gets into the mindset and the soul of a, a wannabe rower someone who is up against it someone who is not necessarily doing it to prove a point to anyone but herself uh it is outstanding outstanding performances so do go watch it if you can so last week myself and Matthew heart and Tori Butlerheart sat down with the wonderful Sir Ian McKellen. And we recorded the conversation for the podcast for you wonderful listeners. That is Sir Ian McKellen on this podcast very soon. It won't be next week because Confession is out next week. Our hosts, Lucinda Rhodes, Takra and Andrew Rogers' film, which was directed by Paul Beaton, is out on Tuesday next week, the 31st. So we'll be doing that. So I might drop the Ian McKellen sorry Sir Ian McKellen episode the following Tuesday we talked all about his career, acting, what it's like on set. And Matthew and Tori were amazing as well. So thank you so much for setting that up. Also, coming up very soon is the Peter Dinklage episode because Serrano got pushed back. Can't wait for that. And our latest blog is out. We do a blog constantly for the podcast. So if you haven't seen that yet, go to the filmmakerspodcast.com and search for the blogs in there. And it gives you a rundown and some really cool information about filmmaking tips and tricks. But this week, uh, the wonderful Hugh has done an onset jargon. So if you're wondering what certain jargon means, like best boy or key grip, if you want to know, go to the blog now, link to that is in the show notes. It's brilliant. It's really cool. Thank you, Hugh, for doing that. If you want to write a blog for us on filmmaking, on your experiences of making a short film, or experiences of making anything, and you just want to write on our blog, then the offer is open. Get in touch with us at the filmmakerspodcast at gmail.com. Come join us, be part of the team. Speaking of which, our Patreon is happening regularly. There's much more behind the scenes on there, and we're dropping many more clips. That is happening right now. So if you fancy joining us on our Patreon, the link to that is in the show notes. And we do the wrap up it's our filmmaking news is curated just for you by us and it saves you trawling through all the trades all the time we put what we think is the best stuff for you and it's free so if you fancy that sign up like i say it's free you get that into your inbox every sunday you can look at it choose to or not but there's some amazing stuff on there because it's stuff that's happening in the industry that you should know about right let's get to today's episode this is me giles alderson talking to the fantastic lauren hadaway all about her movie the novice are you gonna love this one sit back relax and enjoy What's up? How are you? You all right? Is everything good at the moment?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I've been in a writing K-hole here in Paris. Um, So uh, taking a step back to go back into the novice land for a bit.
0: And how is that writing k hole going? K-hole. Writing <laughs> K-hole. Because I like to write with other people. I like to bounce ideas. That's that's me. That's what I like. I get lost on my own. You You seem like you're okay on your own when you're writing. You don't seem like you get like say phased you can just power through it because it can be tough
1: oh yeah yeah no i i get like totally in my head i don't think about anything else i'm in the shower i'm thinking about what i'm writing i'm writing all day i'm doing my thing but of course I, what i like to do and what i've been doing on this thing that i've been writing is send off you know i, I basically rewrote half the, the script that i'm working on sent off those pages to the producer to kind of read and see how they're working get some feedback and then it just kind of spurs ideas so i don't know if i'd like writing with people so much never say never i haven't done it but i I need that. You you got to have someone to bounce off to tell you you did something fucking stupid you know you the dream as a writer, you send something off and you want them to reply to you like wow this is perfect you don't need to change a thing totally it's the dream just doesn't happen <laughs> and never. once you you get over that beat of like wanting to just just end it all and like jump off uh, your, your your fifth floor balcony um, then everything clicks again then you feel motivated again and then you dive back in again um, and so it's been that kind of process the past two weeks since i got back yeah
0: right and uh, what is your process do you like to beat everything out do you like to get a treatment set up first everything beat out or do you just hack straight into it
1: i mean it's varying now cuz i cuz now that i've i've s- signed with caa and doing some stuff for other people you know it requires pitching things out a little bit more but mm. my sort of pass with with the novice with this thing i'm writing with other things i tend to do a vomit pass like usually in 3 weeks i just in the k-hole K hole hole, you know whatever you want (laughs) in that hole just going i spit it all out get it on the page and then then you kind of discover the story usually along the way and the characters along the way and for me the real writing i think is rewriting and um usually you know i I have moments where i stop and sure beat out like try and figure out what is the halfway point i think in like four acts usually and and try and figure out those big points um but it's constantly evolving i can't stand outlining things to, to the ad nauseum like people talk about having note cards and shit i'm like that's not for me i can't do it i've tried it not my thing you mm -hmm. know i like i like a little free flow you got to have the magic all of my best scenes i've ever written have just come up in a manic moment of writing and it just like pops in your head and you just fucking go and you can't get that if you're obsessing over an outline
0: that's so true That is so true. We can get bogged down in writing and all the books and we think we have to hit beats by certain points. And maybe down the line when we're delivering, we're doing those, But maybe. But when we're just trying to get an idea out and get it to a mate that you hope says, that's the best thing I've ever read. Yeah, you just want to get through it. And I love that. I I like to be free form as well. And I think it's really important. Our listeners know that there's no one set way. Whatever works for you, right? Whatever you feel best in. Is that something you've kind of always, you know, taught yourself to write because obviously you come from a sound background adr background you come from that world you know the writing side of it again it's it's why it's very different did you sort of teach yourself did you learn that way
1: yeah i mean i think growing up if you would ask me when i was. 10 years old what I want to be when I grew up it would have been a quote unquote author you know I've always mm-hmm. been writing stories of some kind no real structure or real idea what I was doing other than being lost in that kind of fantasy land but um, when I and, and then I saw Kill Bill when I was 15 and I was like I want to be a fucking director and I wasn't thinking about writing screenplays really in that way but then went to college and, and was kind of overwhelmed with with everything there university I don't in college France is a, a junior high so I don't know what it is in the UK but mm-hmm. went, to, um, went there and, and, and didn't think that I could compete against all these other dudes and all their fancy equipment, and they're all from big cities and this and that. When I got to college, I, I fell into post production and editing specifically, which I think is an extension of the writing process in a lot of ways, which is probably why I gravitated mm-hmm. towards it. Um, but didn't really start writing. I, I was writing novels and things, oh, wow. quite honestly. And I thought that I would do. Um, I thought that I would be, you know, a sound person by day, and maybe eventually publish a novel, maybe. Um, and I have novels in drawers that that no one will ever read. I've looked up queering. I did that whole thing. And there's probably a period when I moved to LA. I moved to LA in 2012. Okay. And probably from 2012 to 2016, when I actually made the, the, the five-year goal to transition into writing and directing. Yeah, I was reading tons of mm-hmm. books on writing, reading tons of screenplays, watching the interviews, doing all that. Um, and in hindsight... And I was, obs- I was trying to get things out at the time and thinking like, oh, this is uh, whatever I'm writing right now is fucking amazing. But in <laughs> hindsight, that was definitely, I think, kind of my screenwriting college, I guess you could say, was with, like those four years of just obsessing over that. So when I wasn't working, I wasn't working a lot when I first started in sound because, you know, I'm mm. starting out. Um, so I had a lot of time rotting out of Starbucks. Even I even wrote at the Starbucks. Like I didn't even write at like a joint. classy, <laughs> you <laughs> cool know. Cool little
0: vegan yeah, cafe, no.
1: I wasn't even proper... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was the improper LA. It was a total like Texas hillbilly, right? In Starbucks. Love it. Um, but um, no, I think I think all of that probably soaked in in some regard. But it wasn't, I think, until the novice, which I wrote the first draft July twenty seventeen, okay. that I, you know, when you send things to people, too, people are generally polite with their notes. Um, but you don't realize until you get enthusiastic feedback the difference. So it was like with the novice was the first time I sent it to someone and I realized the difference between <laughs> polite positive feedback and enthusiastic yes. right? positive feedback. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, oh. This, this is what I've been after. And so then kind of, you know, everything clicked from that point.
0: Amazing. And you actually made the short film of the novice, right? Called Is that correct from my uh, research? Um Kind
1: of, yeah, it's on, it's on my IMDb. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so what that is, is I, uh, 2017, I kind of tentatively sent the script out to, like, the one friend who knew I was writing. I put it on the blacklist at the time because I was trying to get unbiased feedback. I was not an out, quote-unquote, writer, like, I was, because it's fucking embarrassing, you know, you're in LA, you're like, you have a, I had a pretty good career going for me, and to, to tell people, like, I want to be a writer-director. It's humiliating. So I wasn't telling people what I was doing. And I wanted this kind of unbiased third-party feedback. But in that time, too, it was imagining a novice much more, like, even lower budget than it than it ended up being. Um, and was thinking about, I knew shooting on the water mm-hmm. would be a nightmare. So wanted to test out using drones and seeing if you could use those to, like... Avoid having to get a follow boat, whatever. I didn't have a lot of production experience. I'm not coming into directing from doing tons of short films mm-hmm. and music videos and commercials. I don't have any of that, um, so figured it'd be good practice. So wrote this like three minute, what I consider like a mood vignette. There's not any dialogue really or anything. Um, it is rowing related, but has absolutely nothing to do with the novice. It's just kind of. This girl in the water, basically, and, and moody, and, and yeah, uh, all those and things. Sexy but, um, and
0: yeah, and all that.
1: Yeah, and just use and just played mm. with drones, and um, I, I realized no, these will not work for the, what we need. But I did get some cool shot ideas out of that, and it wasn't really intended for festivals mm-hmm. or anything. More for when we were going out to investors, just one more thing to add to the package. So you got. The script and i made this really extensive mm-hmm. lookbook. um then you've got this little mood vignette to be like well she's not t- she's not done nothing i mean here you go here's something no idea if it made a difference or not but
0: here we are uh, then the novice so. is incredible i was blown away by it and the fact that it's your debut movie and the fact that you haven't made tons of shorts honestly it's beautiful you've made an incredible film it's so good uh, i can okay. see your influences from the sound side of it, that a lot of people do forget about when making a film. And you they were all in there, all this kind of the, the feelings, the voiceovers, the bits in the head, the way you cut those bits together as well. Just fantastic. Um, before we get onto the novice, I wanted to find out about how you actually started in sound and that whole world, re-recording mixer, supervising sound assistant, dialogue, editor. Because that's a fascinating world we don't often talk about um, generally as filmmakers, but also on this podcast. And you've worked with some, you know, on some amazing films, Conjuring 2, you've worked with Tarantino, who you said kind of wanted to get you into writing and directing a minute ago as well. How did you get into Mm -hmm. that world in the first place? Uh, especially if you always wanted to write and direct what drove you to that side of filmmaking?
1: Well I kind of gave up on my outer self gave up on writing and directing when I was freshman in college when I was hit with what we now call imposter mm-hmm. syndrome but but I loved post and then I discovered sound in college through you know professors showed this clip of a video where these students in another class of his took all the sound out of a, um, a clip and replaced it and I thought that mm-hmm. was so fucking cool I had never thought about sound before that moment seeing like the endless kind of possible of creation, even going from scratch, you can build an entire world. Um, and so I got obsessed with it uh, in college, and that kind of became my thing at my at my school. And, and no one else is really doing sound, so it's not like I had a lot of competition. <laughs> you could be regard. the best,
0: even if um, you were the worst. <laughs> yeah,
1: and no, and no one. Yeah, I, I was sure. the go-to. So, and then I um I wanted to work. I actually had an internship at a um uh, like a commercial radio house in Dallas, and was trying to get a job there, an assistant sound job because someone got pregnant left so her spot was open and I didn't get Mm. it and in hindsight it's the best thing that never happened to me but at the time, I was devastated. And however, I had another internship that I had done in college. And this company was a reality TV uh, editing shows. They needed a new editor, mm-hmm. a video editor. And so I went and worked there, which ended up being the best thing that accidentally kind of happened. Because, you know, 21, right out of college, had a pretty decent job for someone sure. going to film school, working on stuff that, you know, is on TV. But the thing that ended up being really... Kind of fortuitous, fortuitous that I had no idea was even happening was I was editing stuff that was on TV. Mm. Therefore, when I decided to move to LA, I already had all the union of hours course. that I needed. Yes, right. So I decided I rose up pretty quickly there and and was you know had half the episodes for a show within a couple months and, and kind of realized like this is the the top. This is as most I'm going to do in Dallas and um, had never even thought about moving to LA, honestly, until a friend of mine who actually the producer, one of the producers on Novice was like, Lauren, you should move to LA. And I was like, oh fuck, now I'm not moving to LA. But then the next day I was like, all right, I'm gonna move to LA. How do <laughs> I do this? Day, What's I love the plan? It.
0: <laughs> what was the change? What do you think the change was?
1: I think you know people are defensive. It's it's like the same thing when I get feedback on my script, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" And then the next day, I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah, actually." <laughs> yes, <laughs> da, da, da. So yeah, yeah. You know, it's just that moment of of having to to kind of accept it. But um, I, I went to basically spend six months kind of moonlighting at that point, calling people in LA, researching, getting contacts, just having like getting advice from people. Uh, and you kind of everyone tells you the same thing, which which was like, "Call me when you get out here," and in the union, kid. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not thinking one or both those things are unlikely to happen. Um, but you know, six months later, I moved to LA and my first day out there, I got into the union and literally in the parking lot of the union <laughs> buildings, I it. called <laughs> up this chick and I was like, guess what? I'm, like, I'm in the union, I'm in LA. How about that interview you promised me? Yeah, so it out. <laughs> and she was a little bit like, uh, uh okay. I mean, she, to her word though, she got me in the building the next week. And that was at, um. Sound Deluxe, which doesn't exist anymore, but that's a place that I had kind of gravitated towards because you mentioned Tarantino. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think any kind of up and coming filmmaker or or person working in the industry probably feels this. It's like, there's not a clear path for anything. Like, how do you do it? Had no idea what I was doing or where to start. Um, So I set a goal to work on a Tarantino film because he's my favorite director, which seemed seemed Uh, ridiculous and then like not never in a million years gonna happen but you know you gotta have a fucking north star
0: you really do yeah and
1: um and he so i kind of worked backwards like who does the sound for his films it was this guy wiley statement i was like okay well where does he work he works at sound Deluxe. and i'm like okay who can i contact at sound Deluxe? and there were two emails on their website and one of those emails was was this uh woman becky sullivan who i had emailed and and, uh, called up and she's the one who kind of got me in the door and so i spent the next couple years uh really working backwards and because becky she did adr and dialogue because that's what she did and she was the one giving me you know a chance i kind of got more into that and i think too um you know getting into sound effects is what i wanted to do in sound design but maybe again in a way it's it's good it didn't happen that way because because i was doing dialogue and adr and adr for for anyone who doesn't know is is like dubbing where the actors come in after the movie's been shot, they have to re-record the lines because noise or if it's a superhero movie, they have to rewrite the entire script over
0: the shoulder. <laughs>
1: um, or any oh, indie, yes. <laughs> it, it's just so, but that ended up being a really great education because as I moved up the ranks and I actually did work with Tarantino, my first job as an ADR supervisor was um, on the Hateful Eight and my first ever recording amazing. session. amazing. Was with Quentin Tarantino to record the voiceover for the hateful eight. I was like twenty five.
0: You, sh- you shitting yourself?
1: I was fucking dying. I set this goal when I was fifteen, and ten yeah. years later, it's happening. Here I am in this room, like shaking, trembling, like like a whatever, you know. And and I hear him coming in from the background. I'm like, oh my god. Hey, here I am.
0: I'm here, everyone.
1: And he shows up, and I'm like, holy fuck, this is it. And then yeah. you know, being on the mix stage with him too. And then from that point, in my career that was kind of my big quote-unquote break, I think. And then from there, I was getting hired on more and more projects, bigger projects, bigger roles, more time on the ADR stage, more time working directly with actors. Like, Mm. no one else in sound. Yeah, cutting explosions and doing the fires and, you know, all that shit is car chases and Fast and Furious. Amazing, fun stuff. Really creative. But... I got to be on the mix stage with directors, with editors, with producers. I got to hear about all the problems. I got to see, you know, how the film changed from the the four-hour assembly down to whatever ended up in theaters. Scenes that are cut out, that are reworked, moved around. Hearing dialogue, movie dialogue, you know, a hundred times for every scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing what's being reshot. And then being on the ADR stage, watching directors interact with actors. Um, Lots of times directors can't be there because... Either they don't want to, no one, everyone hates fucking ADR, including me. Um, (laughs) Either they can't be there because they're doing a million other things or they don't want to be there or whatever. So a lot of times it was me working with the actor, having to get what the film needed. And me, you know, 26, 27 years old, having to tell someone, having to tell Amy Adams or Ben Affleck or whoever, like, I need you to do this and yeah. this is why and can you do another one and these kind of things and wow, so, I so think, you're
0: directing already at that point technically Even in a way yeah, I yeah mean, you are
1: it's wow. not the sexy uh you know camera this and that and whatever and i think mm-hmm. the other thing too the, the reason that i stride, uh, like or shied away from from directing for so long was because i care about visuals and i want things to look good but it's never really done it for me in a way and i think that most um like, I, I can't get nerdy over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, a lot of first-time directors, they come in from the visual sphere in whatever way, or they're nerdy about cameras, or or like the visual effects, and like, you know, the lighting, and they're thinking about all these things, and I could never really get into it. And I think, I thought for a long time, well, because I don't know, I don't know about cameras, I don't know about lenses, I don't know all this shit, I can't possibly be a director. But then seeing all of this, the sort of behind the scenes, and then also realizing, um, the one thing I took away from my business degree that I did, which is marketing, I double majored in business cause I thought I'd never work in film. The one thing about marketing is it's not about being the best or the fastest or the cheapest or whatever. Marketing is about how do you differentiate yourself from everybody else? Right? So for me, I realized, okay, maybe this is actually good that I'm coming in from this other world. I have a different point of view. I can bring something else to this that other, you know, the 90% of, of wannabe directors coming into it aren't going to approach it as, mm-hmm. um, and then too just kind of seeing. I think, you know, the other thing me coming from a small Texas town. I imagine everyone working in quote unquote Hollywood uh, is brilliant and a genius and like creative. Is you can't possibly compete. Mm-hmm. And then you you see how the sausage is made. You <laughs> yes. See behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and there are some some brilliant people, but for the most part, people are just good, hardworking people who. They've been doing it for a while. Maybe they had a lucky break, whatever. And then there's some real fucking idiots, frankly, who are working at a pretty high level. And you're like, you know what? If this guy is in the room right now, who's why the fuck can't I do it? Right. So all of right. these things kind of congealed. Um, and then I got hired on uh Justice League when yeah. I was 26, 27, which for me is a huge huge job. You know, the film I know it's got a whole history. I've worked on every iteration of that film, including the Steiner Cup, but Um, it was a huge job at the time. And, uh, that kind of gave me the confidence at that point. It was November, 2016. I was in a parking lot actually. And I said, I'm going to transition to writing and directing within five years. So five years, one month later, the novice came
0: out. (laughs) Amazing.
1: Boom, did it. Set those
0: goals, you know? You set those goals and two huge goals you set for yourself, you did. Because a lot of people say, right, I'm going to be a writer director. Oh, I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be a producer, but it's getting that step. It's getting it done. And finding an in is one of the hardest things. And you found your in, your in was right. Okay. Well, I know how the mechanics of a film work. I understand the back end of it. And people just seem to think sometimes, oh, I can just go be a right director, producer. I can just go do it. And it's like, no, no, you've got to think what's your way in. It's a really difficult process. You can't just go do it. Um, And you've really got to think about it. And I love having goals and you've set your goals brilliantly. I I think that's really clever that you did that. Did you always know it was going to be the novice? Had you written other projects that you thought might be your first before that one? Or was it always... I want to set it in this psychological world, in this girl's head at university, and in similar ways to what you were doing with your career as well. It's that like, how do I break through these barriers of all these people who might be perceived as better than me and having to push harder than anyone else, which is, you know, what she does in the novice.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had written, I guess, one script and College. I don't even know where it's. I'm sure it's absolutely fucking horrendous. And it's then I the wrote
0: list it's winning.
1: <laughs> definitely. And then I wrote one more uh thing probably twenty thirteen 30- 2014 um also i'm sure extremely horrendous and everything else besides that i had been really um focusing on again novels and drawers but it, yeah when i set this goal it's like you said a lot of people the thing about la that i most people in la are probably familiar with a lot of people talk but they don't really do the walk and mm-hmm. so for me when i set this goal i, I immediately got very active and sort of planning what i was going to do and being maybe a little bit analytical overly analytical about it and i started researching you know My favorite directors, how they started their first films, the scope, the scale, reading tons of articles and interviews and, you know, everything I could trying to soak it up and figure it out. And um, the, the thing that I came away with was this cliche advice of, you know, write what you know. And write the story that only you can tell. And I was a collegiate rower. I did four years of it. It was hugely, I was obsessed with it. I mean, we were rowing 20 hours a week on top of everything else that I was doing. And my senior year of rowing really felt like survival because, again, 20 hours a week, I was taking 18 hours. I was doing an internship. I was working. I was very active in the film club. Um, I was volunteering. It was all this stuff. I was just fucking exhausted and waking Mm -hmm. up for four years at five in the morning. Yeah. So I thought like, and and rowing is not a sport that's really been explored on screen for a variety of reasons. And, Mm except for the scene in the social network like mm-hmm. I had never seen anything else that really captured what to me it felt like to to have gone through that experience and I actually remember getting my first Blacklist review back oh my
0: god oh my god
1: um, yeah in the UK actually I was in the UK too it was like a, uh-huh. it was a 7 which for me was like a
0: Oof, Which is a yeah. big deal
1: for me. Um, yeah, very good. And so that kind of gave me the confidence, okay, and, and in terms of deciding to direct it to, I remember I had a meeting, my friend had introduced me to his kind of friend slash manager, just to like a general to chat, and he'd ask me, what do you want to do with this? Do you wanna, you want to write it? Do you want to sell it? Do you want whatever? And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I fucking knew in my gut. Sure. I wanted to make it, but- yeah.
0: But you were scared was, to say, I want to direct it, Yeah, right? and
1: he's like, well, you need to figure that out. And mm-hmm. when he said that, I was like, well, fuck, I'm fucking doing this. And then... Yeah. The next yes. day
0: you went, I'm fucking doing this, right? <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably, text.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is it is really scary to, to own stuff and to be upfront. I mean, and there's also a fine line with being delusional and being kind of focused and... and stern about what you want to do so i think it was just trying to walk that but yeah i mean it was a gradual process
0: amazing do you want to give a little pitch as to what the film is and we'll drop the trailer Uh,
1: the novice it is a a story of an obsessive collegiate rower who uh, climbs the the ranks of her college's team it's a little bit like um whiplash black swan it's been kind of described as but set in the rowing world i presume you guys are all here for the wellington
0: novice rowing program
1: Traditionally, very hard to move up to varsity, but in the meantime, I think we should learn how to row. Legs
0: first. Body, oh, legs, arm. body, arms, arms, body, legs. Oh, so I mean, yesterday, I just woke up and I had this epiphany. Like everyone.
1: What are you looking at? See so what time I have to get to make varsity. Seven fifty-nine seems doable. I mean starting varsity in two sports in high school?
0: You're like the best novice out of all of us.
1: Yeah, I mean like, you're like the best
0: novice. I mean, you're like the best novice out of all of us.
1: The best novice. You're natural. you natural. You're natural. You're yeah. have the best chance. let You shouldn't be stressed about school. You're the smartest in our high school. I'm not stressed about school and I work the hardest. So There's a difference. Relax. Relax. I'm relaxed. He's psychotic, like you. Some of us have
0: minds Your mistake is that you always stick to what you're good at.
1: Thanks, you have the best time, you still wasn't enough. Relax, you're like the
0: best
1: novice. Gotta let it go. Thanks, nice. buddy. It was my
0: fault we lost. Give yourself a break. Relax.
1: Relax. 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 You don't understand how hard I have to push myself to be the best. I can't keep watching you do this. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom.
0: Uh, That trailer is amazing. Link to that is in the show notes. Do go watch that. And then do go watch the film. Link to that is in the show notes as well. Yeah. Interestingly, you mentioned uh, Whiplash. Obviously, it's a film that you did work on as well. And this reminded me of Black Swan. It reminded me of so many of those films where you get inside the actor's head, the psychological side of it. And I loved that. I thought it was really clever. I thought it was brilliantly well done did you from the beginning think about how to do that because it's not easy it's not easy it's on paper you can kind of write it but actually to film that and to get right inside a performer's head and think about how you're going to shoot that as you wrote it, were you already thinking potentially how some shots would be, how you would cut it, how the sound mix would go? Were you already thinking that far ahead?
1: Um, I mean, it's, it's an evolution. And like I said, I think writing is rewriting and the first shot mm-hmm. of the script, I'm curious to actually reread it versus what we ended up shooting with yes, almost yes. Uh, two years later. A lot of evolution in, that, in that, that span, but the sound was always something I was actively kind of thinking about and writing in and I think it got more and more darker and um, probably more and more more weird as it went on because I, w- I think what happened too, again, same thing. I would write these weird things in the script and be a little bit nervous about people reading it like thinking what are they gonna and people would always the things that were the weirdest people would respond to the most and so it just mm-hmm. gave me this confidence like fuck it i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want with this and um to go to go kind of as far as i did but i think the other thing this is the sort of obsessed artist film and i love those types of films i love mm-hmm. whiplash i love black swan i love any film i fucking yeah, the
0: wrestler as well the die-, oh, yeah, wrestler, yeah.
1: die for them mm-hmm. but the thing that i've never really related to with those films is there's usually some kind of external force that's kind of the antagonist or the motivator Mm -hmm. and i was like well i'm very internally driven and so how do you tell a story about someone who's internally ambitious and driven but film is not a novel and i don't want a voiceover so how do you do it and film is a visual and a sonic medium so the the answer becomes you do it by using the visual space the sonic space to tell the story and one of my sound mentors wiley statement actually the, the 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 tarantino guy he said something to me in regards to sound once which was well he said two things he said the Best directors always have intention with everything they do. And he said, too, that sound, whatever, if you know, I'd cut something and he's like, Why is that there? And he's like, You need to be able to tell me why that's there. Like, what is it adding to the story? Everything has to go to tell the story, the story Mm -hmm. first. So, this film is very sort of weird and stylistic. And it's not like an average, if you're thinking it's going to be an average inspirational sports film, it's not. It's dark. It's fucking weird. It gets trippy. and the uh, the weird stuff though is to get you in the head of this character and how it feels and really framing the the story of her and the sport almost like a love story very loosely and it starts as the initial the initial attraction, the clunky beginnings, like the, the making love, you know, the 500 frames a second scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, Isabel, I'm going to objectify the fuck out of you in this scene. Shooting it very kind of 90s, you know, almost erotic, like she's having sex with a rowing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the falling in love and the, the bliss of that and the beauty of that and the beauty of rowing. And then the slow, toxic descent when everything is just fucking crumbling. And so wanting to, to evoke that headspace and that internal drive really dictated... Um, these choices.
0: Oh, we played a new jingle, which means it's a new section on the filmmakers podcast where we talk to our listeners. Uh, they can ask any question they like. And this week we have on uh, the fantastic Teddy. Uh, Teddy, hello. Welcome. Hello. Uh, am I speaking with Gilles Maria Alderson? It's Giles Alderson. No one uses my middle name, but yes, uh, you are. Uh, talking to Giles uh, from the Film like podcast. Hello. Happy to meet you. I'm a big fan of your show. I was wondering because I have a question. Um, mm. I'm an accountant and I want to make films. But wow. I often don't have the time to develop ideas or something. So I wanted to ask you, because you you did so many films in the in, in the last year, right? You did The Strange Enough Bad, you did The Wolves of War, you did the three-day billionaire thing, mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, numbers, huh? <laughs> I was mixing them up. Um, that's why I want to get into film. Or my chef wants me to get into film. Um, your chef? My boss, not the chef. Chef in German. In German, chef is boss. Whatever. Um, you you Brits wouldn't get that. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for your, for your question. You want to know how to get into film. Interestingly, you sound very much like Toby V's, who's often on this show as a, a, a host. Oh, that can't be. I don't think. And sounds like this ticket. Well, I love Toby. I think he's brilliant. Well, to answer your question, then, since we've got, you know, past that bit, um, it's very difficult. You've got to juggle a, a lot when you're making films, especially when you're a producer or you're the director. Uh, it isn't easy. But as a, you're an accountant, I imagine that you use Soldo, right? Nine. Sounds interesting, though. Yes, it is. It's. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I use it all the time. It's a payment solution uh, that replaces petty cash given to employees and production assistants when in prep, on, set or in post-production. Anyone can use it. It's fantastic. Uh, thank you. I will take your advice into account. Thank you so much. Thank you. So yeah, basically Soldo, if you don't know, is a fantastic platform for the independent filmmaker. It's a multi-user expense account and it helps you control business spending. It means you can give your solo cards to some or every employee. Uh, so yeah, link to that is in the show notes. It is soldo.com. And this was clearly not an advert let's get back to the show do you get images uh, like as your lookbook you mentioned earlier you got kind of a lookbook were you taking images from other films were you devising images yourself uh, were you uh, like I say you got the row you're short to show uh, as some examples but were you already showing other examples as well in your pitch meetings when you went along with your producers Kevin, and, uh, Zach and Ryan uh, along to your pitch meetings or sending it to them that'd be really interesting
1: you know I think if I'm being honest I think the lookbook had more influence than anything else getting this film people to pay attention to it uh, okay. even more than you know the the little mood vignette perhaps mm-hmm. even more than the script i don't know but the lookbook was i tried to make something you know i've seen tons of these since then i hadn't really seen a lot at the time and the ones i would look at seemed so boring and kind of bland and yeah they just you just paste the image from a movie and you have yeah. a little text and da, da da i'm like well fuck that what i want is i want the f- the, the lookbook to evoke what the film is going to be i want someone to look at it and feel how they're going to feel watching the movie so i made this um it's basically like a like a notebook journal as if Alex Dahl, as if the main character had made the lookbook herself. And so oh, wow. the pages get really weird and I tried to capture the, the I wanted to, to capture the juxtaposition I wanted to do between kind of the cold icy exteriors and the, the sort of uh, claustrophobic manic kind of. Uh, grimy green yellow interior, So had these like stark white, very clean crisp pages with these very um, fucked up kind of collagey writing all over, like Joker or scribbly type shit, cutting out as if she, you know, had got a magazine and cut out photos and pasted them and done things and was taking notes and um, really did that. So there weren't really, I don't I think there was actually any stills from other films except for using you know this character how it how about it could be so and so and you have Mm -hmm. a picture of the the person but no there weren't i didn't have any of that it was just um random shots of of any kind of photo that really captured it and 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 putting in such a way that evoked the style of the film itself
0: i love that See, that evoked it for me as well when you were describing it. I was like, I could visualize your lookbook with that. And I thought it's such a clever idea. I suppose you have sometimes have to be quite good at Photoshop and bits and pieces like that to get a good lookbook.
1: I didn't use Photoshop on that, I'll say. I've, I only used Photoshop recently on my, my latest lookbook and I had to teach myself. So you yeah, don't right. actually need to fucking... Like, don't let that, I'm just gonna say, don't let that deter you if you don't know how to use it.
0: Love that. So true. Because people can get bogged down in saying, oh, I can't now move my project forward because I don't know how to make a lookbook because I don't know how to use Photoshop. That's how it should be. I'm not saying that's how it should be. I'm saying, look, if people wanna get their shit done, you've gotta get your shit done. Um, and jumping on that, then how did it, obviously, you brought on Zach and Ryan, but how did you get the novice to being greenlit? How did you get any kind of money? was it a meeting with investors was it you know talking to studios just talk us through that little bit uh if you don't mind
1: yeah it's such a nebulous fucking process so mm. <laughs> it's uh, a shit show cuz cuz money it's like you can have the best script in the world you can have all of, you can have directed 40 wonderful short films whatever Indeed, but yeah. like you're still a first time feature director um yes. i mean when ryan came on his i had actually done sound for another indie film that he had produced and he had a producing partner who is EP on this? And so they came on pretty quickly with, um, you know, a certain amount of money, and right. then from there uh, we we sent the script out, you know, and everything, all the materials out. Did a bunch of people to the, all the different production agencies, whatever, read it, get passes, have a couple of meetings. Had a meeting with uh, H2L. This is where Steve Sims came on, another producer mm-hmm. that went really well. And um, they then they, I mean, a lot of producing. I mean, it's fucking. I don't see everything doing. But, you know, then they have connections and they have ideas and they sent the film out to someone. And that's where we found another one of our investors. And so very quickly, we found basically half the budget of what the film ended up being. And so I naively thought, like, wow, this is easy. Like, we're going to be shooting this 2018 like fall 2018 it's gonna happen and then then it was like a year of nothing and we had a couple of leads that took a lot of time and energy and ended up going nowhere being kind of even like really fucking sketch as fuck there's some sketchy shit out there Mm -hmm. um waiting around for things applying to all the labs doing all that uh went to ifp week and met with a bunch of producers and things and Nothing really came out that specifically for this project. So I went through the, the Alpha screenwriting lab. Um, but nothing was happening. And the film had seemed like it was going to go to... There was two or three times where I really, truly thought the film was going to happen. And then it didn't fucking happen. And every time that happens, it feels like a heartbreak. And I was over it. And I had gone through... That had ha- just happened. And I had gone through a sling of, of romantic breakups too. And so I was oh, in this shit. place, um, 2019, summer 2019 of like, fuck the novice is never happening. I had mm-hmm. written a whole, this, this lesbian comedy that I'm working on now. I wrote the first draft back then, um, in real time as I was going through a break, a breakup as one does. As um, one does. <laughs> and that I imagined was going to be my first film. And I was like, let's make this. And then Ryan kind of out of nowhere called me like, you're going to Toronto to a location scout and i was like is this real because like yeah I can't, I can't get my heart
0: broken again yeah. i can't do
1: this again and he's mm-hmm. like yeah we're gonna do it and they you know it worked the budget down got uh, the investors to pony up a little bit more but was like totally like way way, way slashed the budget and he had worked in toronto on some commercials so new producers there and and of course probably most people listening are familiar with tax credits make the world go round um mm-hmm. and so we i went to toronto to location scout and honestly for the first few days i was not even i was just like Not even there. I was just, I was was like, sure, okay, I'll go here. Yeah, great. It took a minute for me to like believe, like, okay, this is real. And then was sent back, uh, went back in, I think, September for, for, um, to do pre production and then all of that. And every day leading up to production, we started shooting October 15th, 2019. Every day leading up to that, I was sure like any second it was going to go away. Um, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until actually being on set for the first day that I was like oh this is real and now I have to figure this shit
0: out um <laughs> shit, now I've got to do it yeah exactly yeah. the same as me when before my first feature I any minute now I thought they're just going to pull the plug even that first day when I was on set I thought they're just going to pull the rug all the execs came up and watched the you know in the uh in the video village and I thought they're just going to come out and go yeah no 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 you're you're hooked and even the, you and you you planned it within an inch of its life you've done everything with it and you still think that imposter syndrome thing and it's frightening it's frightening but yeah we just have to fight through it don't we and just go no no I, I can do this I know what I'm doing for
1: me my first week too as white writer director again not coming from production background was water week we had to shoot it first because we were going into winter uh, so like yeah. the first couple days like the first thing we shot was the, the there's a scene in the middle of the film this beautiful sunrise foggy road that was the very first thing we shot and it went so perfectly and smoothly and was exactly like I had in my head and I That's, was like I meant mint, I'm fucking born for this, this is shit easy yeah <laughs> this is fucking easy and I was so so no, just that quickly, it got got fucking humbled real quick, and things yeah. started going wrong um, immediately. And and by the end of day one, we were like a day and a half behind. And I by the end of day two, we were even further behind. We added like two days to Water Week after a day, like fuck. And, and adding and that's just our post budget right there. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's gone. And I remember sitting on the we were switching to nights. I was sitting on the floor of our, of our these cabins that we were staying at, like just catatonic. Like I. I've lost all my investors' money. This is, we're never going to finish this film in the next 21 days. I fucking, this is the end. And I started researching again, looking at all the directors that I admire and like did a Google search where you can set the timeline. You know, I set the timeline around their first films, you know, assuming it was relatively recently. And um, Um. I would read any kind of interviews or articles that came out specifically around their first films like looking for some fucking piece of advice or some kind of like guiding light like please for the love of god tell me i'm not ruining and gonna just fuck my whole life here and um then i found this quote from uh, it was damien chazelle actually and he had i think it was in the hollywood reporter and he said something he's like making whiplash felt like every day felt like walking a tightrope between making something really beautiful and utter crushing disaster and i was like okay so I'm right where I need to be like hey yeah. I'm fucking right on track like every there's been ton, probably a thousand directors have come before me and felt exactly like I felt I've had this fucking moment and they've gone through and made it through okay and like mm-hmm. that totally just shifted my mindset and I told my my director of photography Todd he was feeling just like me we were like well, fuck our lives um Told them this, and it totally changed our energy. And we like we went to set that day, fucking rocking out and like ready to go. You know, shit kept going wrong, of course, but cool. our our mindset changed. So it was like we we had a joke: the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Um, so anytime something beautiful happened, it was like he, the Lord giveth, and we knew that coming around the corner, some shit was going about to go down. And anytime shit was in the can and it felt like the end of the world, we just remind ourselves: we just got to like make it through today. Tomorrow, something around the corner, and then it it happened like that. Honestly that quote it changed everything for me
0: oh, i'm so pleased yeah because he you know winning oscars and shit you're kind of like well yeah if it goes if he goes through it exactly and that's what i love about this podcast the amount of people that have come on that i admire respect so hugely and they say the same thing they're like no no it's a shit show i felt like i'm an imposter and i shouldn't be here and you're like you felt that way and as soon as you realize that as a filmmaker you go oh, oh, it's okay. I'm allowed to fuck up. We're allowed to fail. It's okay. Just get better at it. Learn from it and get better. Well, hopefully uh,
1: like in real time as you're making it because, absolutely. Mm, you know,
0: because yeah, you ain't got long, you got 21 days. So you better fucking pull the plug out now. Um, speaking of which a p- uh, plug there, uh, you're, you're filming on water, right? And you mentioned you did some drone stuff in your, uh, you kind of look real if you like for the row. How then you, you you said drones weren't really working? So how did you get all those shots? That beautiful stuff on the water? Because that must have taken so much planning and time on set.
1: Well, it was a nightmare. We did use drones, and I did learn one thing from doing that little uh concept. Is the mm. I told the actress, just do whatever you want. We're gonna do some drone shots, and she like laid down on the on the boat and like looked up at the sky and I was like, Holy fuck! Like yeah. and that actually became this opening shot of the novice. Like that came from making that that little short. Oh. Um, but we used drones in, in regards to that because I knew I wanted to capture those overhead shots to capture the beauty of it. But everything mm-hmm. else aside from those overhead are um, the really, really, really high ones is we had uh, you know a, a follow boat. We had a techno crane on a follow boat. And wow. I had no, like my, again, I'm not coming from production. I had no concept, no real idea of what, they meant when they were telling me what we were getting and then i walk on <laughs> set and i see this fucking boat and this giant crane and i'm like what the fuck what like this is like that? a real movie this is <laughs> real yeah. holy fuck <laughs> fuck i just imagining some guy with like a camera on his shoulder like in <laughs> yeah. a little fishing
0: boat you know Literally, someone push holding him as he got pushed further out yeah Amazing. but
1: no i mean and it was the thing that was a challenge for the first week was no one on the crew aside from myself the director of photography had rode like a month or two freshman year of high school but no one else on the crew know anything about rowing right so that also becomes something just telling like you can't step here the boats move this way they can't move this quickly like you cannot drive this fast by a boat you're going to swamp it like boats almost got swamped like all these different things were happening and and figuring that out so it was and that's probably why you know a a lot and the weather too i mean it was raining Mm -hmm. and freezing and that's a (sighs) lot of the issues that came up but um uh, and lightning and all sorts of weather related issues. The city even opened the fucking dam at one point and was like draining oh, the lake and fuck's sake. Um but especially with the with me and me and Todd figured out like yeah yeah every morning we started having these these meetings just the two of us going exactly through what we needed to tell the story again. So mm-hmm. what shots do we need, especially with the final race? We shot it over the course of three nights. Um mm-hmm. we only had time for basically one take of everything that you saw. Uh, wow. so a lot, a lot of the shots you see in one frame in any direction is unusable. I did a lot of creative kind of things in the uh, mapping and, and trying to move things around to make things work. Like if you look at the key frames on some of those shots, it's insane. Um, right. <laughs> but we had, we got exactly, we need this. We need to see the, the boat coming in. We need to see the, oh, this is what I was going to tell you earlier. You're about, you wish you knew how to storyboard. Well,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: you don't have to be fucking... Good at it. Like my producer tried to get me to work with a storyboard artist, and I'm like, I don't understand like what I'm doing with them. I'm just gonna draw. I'm just gonna write them like a stick figures. So I had stick yeah. figure storyboards. I it, yeah. And me and Todd sit down. I drew my stick figures. Like we need to see the boat coming in here. We need to establish mm-hmm. this character looking this way. This character is like now passing this character. This character is now in front of this character. Establish like their eye lines so we can cut, cut, cut. Like got exactly what we knew we needed and then we had to trust when we were shooting like if we got it we got to check it off and move the fuck on because Mm -hmm. and but that was the one scene when we finished that shooting that that was the one scene in the whole film I was like guys I don't know if we got everything we fucking need I don't and the editing on it was an absolute nightmare um Mm -hmm. and but it, it it it's it works you know it works
0: Stuff's there, everything
1: you need to tell the stories there, but it was a lot of creative. I mean, even doing like I don't know visual effects either, but I the shots were there were raining and then now they're dry. Mm-hmm. I literally just found some random like out overroll at times, like the camera had accidentally like whipped gone up and just the rain machine was just like accidentally recording it. Took mm-hmm. a couple bits of seconds of that. Put it over a shot of where it's, they're supposed to be raining. It just did the like opacity. Amazing. Amazing. Visual yeah. fucking effects. And no one, I thought like I did camera bumps that I just did in Premiere and shit. And I was expecting, <laughs> you know, someone to come in and like make it work. The lightning bolt effect I mm-hmm. did, like all wow. this shit. And I'm, and no one ever came in and did anything better. And I was like, <laughs> this is it. And the this producer's is it, like, yeah. well, it works. Why would we fucking.
0: Do any, is what I, I think you know? filmmakers sometimes forget they think someone else is going to come in and sort of save it or rescue them or whatever. But what happens is it it's you. You're the one who... Um, has to do it and as soon as you again realize that you go and don't rely on anyone else and of course we have to rely on other people And but the, sometimes it's just no no don't expect anyone else and if someone else does it it's a bonus right if someone else comes in and but makes they're it not better, going to let me
1: fucking tell you on exactly. indie film it's not right? happening it's got to be you yeah. or it's going to be no one and the other thing I'll say too is you get one first impression with people and you don't want to send your first cut without again like what do you need to tell the story like mm-hmm. you need the sound effects you need to have some kind of music temp score Score cut in you need to have these moments you need it to be feeling like a fucking movie as best as you can get it because people aren't even people work in industry creative people they're not gonna be able to watch your dry fucking bare long ass cut with no pizzazz and be able to see your vision like you have mm-hmm. to put your fucking vision get in like the best editors too, working in sound, you know, I've worked with tons of editors and they're really like the second in command when it comes to post-production right behind the director. Mm -hmm. Um, But they, they're not just editing the film. They're cutting in sound effects. They're cutting in a temp score or the, you know, the music editor too, too. but like they're doing all this shit. And so when you finally, when you get the first cut of the film as a sound editor, um, as a colorist, whatever, there is already a rough pass done. And then of course, you know, someone who's better ideally comes in and makes it, fucking brilliant but like you got to get it to at least a, a an 85 you know like you got to get mm-hmm. a, get it to the b and then someone else comes in and takes it to the a a plus level you know
0: mm-hmm. so so right and and speaking of which your cast like the incredible you know isabel uh firman absolutely amazing amy forsyth uh the, the whole cast i love them i really believe that world they were in how do you work with the actors then how because like you say, you hadn't necessarily worked with actors yet, apart from doing ADR sessions, and directing them that way, or at least uh, discussing with them what the director wanted. Here you are now dealing with a very dramatic, very heartfelt, emotional scenes. How did you dive into working with actors as, you know, the talent that you had on board with Isabel, Amy and uh, Delone as well?
1: Well, for the, the first week being water week, honestly, it was survival and there was so much logistical okay. clusterfuck that I, you know, I would look at the monitor. Isabel fucking killed it. She'd come she'd She had the character, she had the command of the character. They were both like I I could just I'm like, okay, great. You know, just do it, leave it. I would shout things. I had a a blowhorn and a walkie and screaming myself horse, like, do it. Like a
0: director with a blowhorn. There's like no
1: no time to like to to be precious or whatever or be Mm -hmm. think there wasn't time to think. It was just like very kind of reactive. So I don't even know what, what, but Then when it came time to switch to the dialogue scenes, I was really nervous because I I don't know. I was like, I don't know. You don't want to give them too much. You don't want to feed their lines. But I think um, quickly, the thing that I've learned, uh, just learned, the thing about directing is you just have to have clearly what you want and communicate it clearly and that people actually do want boundaries. You know, I think that this exists in romance and friendship and life and work, whatever. People tend to think like, oh, you know, whatever you want, wherever you want to eat. Like, it's fine. That's the fucking worst thing ever yeah. like give people options give them the boundaries people like one of it's like with with a dog and I joke to Isabel I'm not trying to compare mm-hmm. you to a dog but it's like me, myself included like I want a dog wants to know that there is someone in command and that they can relax otherwise you, you get this erotic mess all over the fucking place they want to know mm-hmm. where is their yard what are they protecting where are they allowed to play and um, and with, you know, with your crew, with your actors, you know, anyone and working with me too, you have to clearly communicate. This is my vision. This is what I want. Allow people to, all, you know, obviously bring their own perspective in. But you know, and knowing the characters so well and the motivation and where everything's coming from, I was able to really just talk to them, talk to them through about what's happening. And then once the kind of first day jitters wore off of the awkwardness of doing that, it became pretty easy and it's fun and, and blocking is fun. Like that's something as a director I hadn't really thought about much I did the I did the I watched a master class with Ron Howard actually Um, yes
0: I watched that one as well it's great isn't it yeah that blocking lesson that he
1: does was really eye opening to me and that was something in the back of my head constantly like how do we I think a lot of the the first time films you, you get the two people sitting in a room just st- looking at each other talking like how do we spice this up you know like mm-hmm. what can we add here so that became kind of a fun challenge and and something I also was not fully anticipating it's like if you have two people like you and I are talking but there's five of the other supporting actors are standing behind you like you got to give them something to do mm-hmm. like What the fuck are they doing? And they all look at you and like, what am I doing? And then you're like, oh, fuck. Okay, yeah. And you got to come up (laughs) with shit. But that's the fun part. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think working with actors, knowing clearly the character, having talked about it, having already and every day before set, I would go into the makeup trailer and talk to the actors, whoever was going for that day, and talk to them about the scenes coming up. If they had any questions um, at lunch, I would maybe go into their trailer and, and we would discuss and that's how it, it kind of went. I think it's just conversations and making sure you're on the same page and um, being confident enough to say no to something when you're clearly like, I want to do it this way. But also having the sort of um, openness to if someone has an idea, like, and it sounds good, like, fucking let's try it. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's, it's not easy. I mean, it's hard to, to tell. I think it's actually harder to tell someone, no, let's mm-hmm. do it my way than it is to say, yeah, let's try it your way, quite frankly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes the director, time-wise, usually you have to go, that's really great, I'm going to go with this direction for now, thank you. It is tough, because (laughs) you've got to keep saying that to people as well, they're coming up with ideas and you don't want to put them down with their great ideas or whatever, but sometimes, you know, you planned this for a long time and there's reasons for it. It sounds like it was a difficult shoot, but also that you loved it, right? I mean, in terms of now looking back.
1: uh, Yeah, I mean, it was... Great. It was fucking exhausting. I mean, the hardest days for me, we shot six days a week was the quote-unquote day off because you lose momentum. I honestly would have Mm. rather shot 24 days straight without taking a break. But the days off were really rough starting the next day. I would edit on the days off. But... um. No, it, it was, especially after the initial couple of days went down. It is really magical. It is in so much of filmmaking, too. I mean, you you write a film three times when you write it, when you direct it, when you edit it. And um, a lot of a lot of discoveries happening on the day. And uh, yeah, but I, t- I was not again, again, like after last year, too, I was not ready to direct a film again, probably until like four months ago. I was like, I imagine how am I going to fucking ever do this again? I'm so dead. Uh, it took mm-hmm. me a year and a half to recover, so now I I get why directors aren't doing films once a year. Some crazy ones are, but holy fuck, Rid-
0: Ridley Scott and stuff, yeah, but yeah, damn, yeah. he's like
1: eighty two, like he's 82. fucking killing it.
0: I know, but again, he's got the team around him to make him his life a bit easier. I think on independent films, sometimes you have a team True. around you, but you've kind of got to do a lot more than you know. He's not doing the sound mix, he's not doing the you know editing necessarily. He'll Come, so it's a different world, but I totally get it. You can get absolutely knackered by doing this job. It, it kills you, especially during the pandemic when you you don't know what's going to happen with the film. Thankfully, you know, you've been nominated for the Spirit Awards. You won at Tribeca Film Festival as well with this movie. Now it's coming out. It's getting the great press that it is, um, great reviews. Uh, and uh, like I say, I, I hope that you continue. Like I know it sounds like you are, but for someone like me seeing this work, it's hugely inspiring. I hope the people listening now go, yeah, yeah, okay, that's, I can do it too. Because that's what it's about, you know, Um, getting out there and doing something you believe in and getting it done. And it's really stunning. It's a stunning debut. You should be very proud of it.
1: I am now. You know, I, I felt yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah. It was. I didn't feel really good about it until like a week before all the festivals. It was like that eleventh right. hour thing. But no, it's it's great. And yeah, I do want to say. I mean, you. Uh, literally like the thing too that i think is important to remember anyone coming up and feeling like whatever like nobody knows what the fuck they're doing this is the other thing that i picked up in my first career in sound is like nobody knows the thing that separates you and being like puts you in the big chair is like you the problems are coming like it's just how you deal with them and just surviving and the other thing that i learned too is if you freak out if the editor it's always the editor i fucking love editors they're so neurotic but i was like where's that sound like i had to cut a dog bark Uh." and early when i was starting i used to (laughs) to always freak out like oh my god and everyone starts panicking and uh, it's fucking contagious but the thing that i learned (laughs) if someone's like hey where's blah 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 and you know like oh my god i've made a horrible fucking mistake like this is Mm -hmm. really really bad if you just go oh yeah yeah just give me five minutes Uh, i'll get that like just make it fucking so nonchalant and you walk out the room and then you have an anxiety attack in the privacy of your own room Mm -hmm. it's fine like yeah just fucking fake it till you make it totally. ask questions don't pretend yeah. like you know everything and just re- recognize that every nobody knows what the fuck they're doing it's just like being an adult like we grow up we're like oh our parents had no fucking idea not really mm-hmm. same thing yep. just but uh, thing. filmmaking you know
0: yeah it's like you're a swan beautiful on the outside graceful floating along underneath your feet again <laughs>
1: <laughs> like you know, my head thought you were going to go to like guts and like blood, and that's where my fucking head That's went, where your head's so. at.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah totally. <laughs> (laughs) my first film the same I I love that that's so cool Um, and then you got great um, release for it as well you know you've got the again during that time of going can I get this movie out obviously your team are working hard to get that distributed for you as well did you have plans or did your team already have plans in place to get the movie shown around
1: no I mean it's the indie route of like we did not have a distributor we we made the film Um, the sort of question of what festival are we if we're going to get into one of the kind of the big ones you know if you don't Get into mm-hmm. TIFF, uh, Sundance, Trebeco, or South by. Then it's like, or to tell you ride, right, it's like, well, then what's the play here? So one that the step was getting it into trebecca which that was a fucking i i cried honestly when when they i was told new year's new year's day 2020 that we had been accepted and i was like i fucking bawled because it was this huge weight. even now i'm like oh my god i'm gonna cry Mm. it's this huge fucking weight off and then at that point like i didn't even i wasn't even thinking about anything beyond that like that to me was all we needed and then to win at trebecca was you know a big thing and i kind of used that momentum to to get some buzz and, and Zach again my manager now he transitioned into to management um using mm-hmm. that to kind of like send out We and we got our first good reviews and they took he took those and sort of reached out to the the agencies and, and got a bunch of the the agencies like wanting to to meet with me to to sign me and so was doing the whole um you know talking to all the different agencies doing those the, the zooms with like eight people on the fucking yeah. call and they're all trying to tell oh, you why you're amazing and why you should come work with them and god you're a fucking genius you know it's really
0: Good for the, it's good for the self esteem. Good for the soul after the pain. Probably, of being yeah, probably yeah. not
1: good for the ego, but good for the self esteem. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so then, yeah, that happened. I signed with with CAA, and and then at that point, uh, I think we found a sales agent. The, the producers did some point somehow. I don't know exactly all the shit, but basically sending the film out and saying like, hey, we are at Rebecca. We got these, here's good reviews. We got these awards, and it's tough because this isn't a horror film like this is horror you know sells, but this is like a dark psychological thing no quote-unquote stars attached and um there's mm-hmm. also a pandemic and like it's like people are a little weird about buying things and um but we got uh we, we sent it out and then got a couple offers and you know went with IFC that was decided I think in August of 2021 so to finish the film I don't know November, the, the mix, final mix, November 2020. It was accepted as Rebecca January 1st, 2021. Um, you know, Trebekah was June. And then I signed with CAA July, August. IFC took the film. Um, mm-hmm. And then it came out in uh, December. So, you know, it's just like sinning. This whole fucking game, this whole f- filmmaking thing is really frustrating a lot because a lot of it is out of your hands. Like, mm-hmm. I you know, I'm a control freak. We've just established that this the whole interview, yeah. but... Like when once you send it to people, you're just waiting for them to look at it. You're waiting for them to read. You're waiting for, and you're also it's this whole penguin on the iceberg thing. Like no one wants to be the first penguin to jump. You know, once yes. one penguin's like, yeah, let's fucking go, and they and they don't get just killed. You know, then everyone else jumps in, and then so it's just this like slow momentum thing, um, and it feels never fucking ending, and it feels just uh, exhausting. But um. You know, it Mm -hmm. it works. It's just a lot of hurry up and wait and just like putting it out there and you better have your own shit to work on uh, in the meantime because fuck, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's the hardest... And people do think it's kind of, oh, you've had a bit of success or whatever. Oh, it'd be easier for you. No, no, no. No, it's really hard. Filmmaking is really difficult. Um, And even with the film as great as yours, you've proved today, you know, how difficult it was to make it, how difficult it was during that time, the the mental health strain on you as well during that whole time and saying, God, and taking a year and a half to say, I want to make another film. You know, that's a huge uh, mental strain on your body and your brain. And there's no question about it. It's difficult it's really difficult but i am excited to see what you do next uh, as i imagine many people are um especially your new agents now looking forward to that next draft <laughs> yeah they sure
1: are I literally probably <laughs> going to be sending it in the next couple of hours so
0: <gasps> how exciting
1: i know trying to trying to get the ball rolling
0: and thank you so much you've given so much amazing advice normally at the end they go give us some advice for someone coming through but you've just given so much i was like well uh yeah you kind of absolutely nailed that um thank you honestly so much Lauren Hadaway, for joining us this has honestly been incredible um, real joy and so much information for our listeners so thank you
1: thank you fun talk beyond the, the usual um, talking points so it's fun yeah
0: pleasure uh, The Novice is out now do go watch it links to that will be in the show notes and remember you can go out there and make your film you can make it happen whether it's in thunder lightning or, or in rain just like uh, Lauren did with The Novice and if you are lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty send the elevator back down. Uh, Join us next Tuesday as always. Thank you very much, Lauren, for joining us. Thank you. Take care, everyone. We will see you on the other side. Bye-bye. The Filmmakers Podcast exists thanks to your support. If you'd like to ensure that we can keep on exploring the filmmaking world with you, subscribe to our Patreon.